0: Have you ever noticed how loud the trash truck is? You ever noticed? Like, like it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, so three streets away, I can hear this thing coming. And I don't know if this is intentional. It doesn't matter if it's going forwards, backwards, picking up things. Everything is loud about it, right? So, so for me, I don't know, by God's design or by a curse, I'm not sure. But um, the trash truck used to come to my house at 6.30 on a Monday morning. Like, I don't know what message God was trying to give me, but uh, I wasn't receiving it, if that's the case. so Obviously, that requires that if, if you're going to get it right, Sunday night, you need to put out your trash cans. Right, But Sunday night, we're kind of busy here, and, and you know how that goes. So Monday morning, here's what would happen. I am laying in bed, fast asleep, and all of a sudden from three streets away, I hear the noise of the trash truck, and I'm like, oh no, jump up out of bed. Whatever you look like at that point is what you look like. You're out in the street at that point. And, and so I go grab, hopefully, the right trash can, because everything's blurry at that point. You know what I'm saying? Drag that sucker out, put it on the street, and, and sure enough, the trash truck would come and, and, and take Thankfully, if you were a part of this, by the way, this decision to change my time from 630 to like noon now, God bless you. You are in the right job. Okay, so um, my whole family thanks you. Um, but you, when it comes to planning, we get it. That if you don't plan today, then what you want to do tomorrow doesn't happen. And, and behind that idea um we get, we especially get it when it comes to retirement, right? If you're if you're in the room and you're on the end of um your living retirement at this point, you know the journey of putting it away and how that worked and planning for this day and, and but if you're young in the room, you probably got people telling you, "Hey, make sure you start now. Just put something away. It doesn't matter what. Just each week, just start putting something away. It'll build over time, right? And, and so we get it in retirement, you plan here for what's coming there. Uh I was in California last week and um, driving is something, right? Like, it, it's definitely something. And so, you know, you take out your map, you put in where you want to go. And it was such a process because um, the map app brings up like three different routes. And one of those is they claim the shortest. And then there's another one that is a little longer. And then there's the walking option, which is like 15 hours. I'm like, I don't know why you're going to walk, right? But. Um, What's interesting is you're trying to figure out in this moment, if I choose here, I don't want to end up on that road sitting for an amount of time. I don't, so, so I'm trying to figure out how do I get from here and move there without having to sit and get stuck on the road because I need to decide now before I get there. And we get that, like, like that makes sense. But this morning what I want to do is, is kind of move it more towards faith. We get it when it comes to planning. But when it comes to faith, your faith of today, the movement you make in your faith today impacts your future victories. The, the, the faith step that God has in front of you today, that that step is so vital because you don't know what future victories sit on and wait on what you do in this moment with your faith that this movement of faith today will determine what your victories look like. And so we're going to take an old story. If you have a Bible, turn to Joshua chapter three. Um, If you have, A physical Bible and you're going, I have no clue where Joshua is. Open up the first quarter. You'll probably hit it um, roughly around there. But Joshua chapter three, there are two chapters in front of it. What's happened so far is Moses has died. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has died. Now you got Joshua coming in and and God is establishing Joshua as a leader. And, And along with that, he says, Hey, be, be strong and be courageous for God is with you. He's saying, Moses, or Joshua, you're going to have to step out and you're going to have to lead, but you need to be courageous. Your faith is going to have to be bold. And then the next chapter, he sends out spies. Those spies come back and the spies go, hey, we got this. We can take this. And then in chapter three, verse one, we get this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So so immediately, the context that we're given is that they believe they can take the land. They now move down, and they're next to the Jordan River. And it says specifically they've been there three days. Now, later in the story, we we hear that it's in flood stage at this point. And so I did what anybody does at that point. I go, what is the Jordan river like in flood stage? Where are you going to get that answer? Hey, Google, what is the Jordan river in flood stage? There's a video from 2015. I want to show you. Because I don't know about you, but I get the impression when I hear flood, I I think, well, it just kind of went over the banks and it became deeper and just, that is a raging river. And can you imagine being the the Israelites, 2.5 million now, are sitting at the edge of this raging river. And and as they they sit there, all they can hear at night is what? (whistles) All night long. And then you wake up in the morning, all you can hear is... (whistles) all day long, and you see your kids going, kids get away from the edge, don't go near the edge, right? But why? Because the river is raging, and what, what should have been something that, that initially you go, man, that's crossable, became an impossible river that they're now camped next to for three days. I wonder in the room today how many of you are facing an impossible river of faith, that you've been listening to night after night and it's raging and you can hear the rumble and you can feel the rumble and you sit faithfully next to where God's moved you to and you, you the next step you know is the impossible river and it's in this moment then that, that the officers begin to go through. Can you imagine being people? You've been listening to this thing and the officers come through and they go, hey, by the way, what's going to happen is the priests, you know the priests? Yeah, the priests. They're going to pick up um, the Ark of the Covenant, which was a gold box. And inside of it were were relics of faith that the Israelites held on to. The Ten Commandments were in there and so on. And so this thing had poles and the, the, the Levitical priest would carry it. No one could touch the actual box, but they could carry it. And what was believed to be in this box, what the box represented was the closest thing to a physical representation of the very presence of God that the Israelites had. And, and so in with this box then, where that went, they believed God went. And so what you hear as you're sitting there, as you hear, hey, the box is going to go. The Levitical priest will go before you. Um, and they're like, go before us where? Well, into the river. You mean the raging one, the impossible? Yeah, into that. And then the next thing they tell you is, and then you're going to pack up your tent and your family, and you're going to grab your kids and go, hey, we're going in with them. At that moment, I'm going, man, I'm out. I'm out. And it's often when we get to this moment when the impossible river is in front of us that, that it's often in these moments that faith seems impossible. Notice what happens. Next verse. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been, that, been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So, so then you will know. Well, how will I know? Well, where? The, the ark of the covenant and the priests are going where? Into the river first. What they're saying is God is going to go into the river first. Did you know that in your steps of faith, when you're in Possible River, you got good news today? Because what this story teaches is that God already has his foot in the river before you ever step foot in the river. That God is already moving ahead of you in your faith. Your job is to follow where Almighty God leads. And by faith, if God says we're going in the river, you go in the river. It's interesting that it specifically says you've never been this way before. You know, faith's not blind. People talk about faith being blind. Faith isn't blind. You know why? Because God is in front of you and you can see him. And in this case, he goes, you haven't been there, but I have. Let me show you the way. And, and so this, this idea of keeping this 2,000 cubits was 3,000 feet. And so the idea was the ark went in with the priest's. And then the people had to stay 3,000 feet away from where the ark was. They couldn't get any closer, front, closer to it. Next verse. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you consecrate yourself, separate yourselves out from this moment, you need to begin to separate yourself. Holiness needs to be what you take on. Why? Because the Lord is going to show up. This word, by the way, will do amazing things among you. The, the word amazing is the closest that the Hebrew has to the word miracle that we find in the New Testament. The, the, what he's saying is in this moment, the Lord, God Almighty, is going to do a miracle on your behalf. Well miracles are interesting because when you get to this story, people try and explain away the river. They try and explain away earthquakes and landslides and try to humanize how, how what we're about to get into can happen. But miracles are things that are supernatural. You can't explain them. You, you, you can't come up with verbiage that goes, oh, well, this makes sense because of... no." The way a miracle works is like this. You get a diagnosis today and they show you an image. And on that image, there's there's a mass and and you go and and you begin to pray and people pray over you and people praying for you. And you go to the next one and they go, we don't know what happened. We can't find it. That's a miracle. And the doctor's sitting there going, well, 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 well. And you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. It's God, (laughs) right? Why? Because it's a miracle. You can't explain it. And what God's saying is in this moment, what I'm about to do, your step of faith, I'm already in the river and the miracle is coming. So you got to separate yourselves. You got to stop being distracted and you got to focus on what God's got ahead. Next verse. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Next verse. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. So so here's the first hint. We get more as we go through it. But sometimes your impossible river isn't really about the river. The the, the step of faith you're about to take, well, you go, man, this is a huge step of faith and I'm about to cross it. God's going, actually, this step of faith is really about what I'm going to do over here. And in this case, he goes to Joshua and he goes, hey, Joshua, the step of faith of crossing this river, while that seems massive and that seems incredible and there's gonna be a miracle and whatever. He goes, it's really about making you the man that you need to be. Any men in the room that go, man, I just desire what God wants me to be. I desire to be the man that he created. I got good news for you. Step in to the moment of faith he's got in front of you. And sometimes it gets weird, right? We start talking about faith and, and people are like, Well, so so God's been speaking to me and I should do XYZ and I'm like, Oh, that's just I don't know, bro. That doesn't sound right. And, and it's like, Well, well, God's been God's been telling me that I need to leave this and do that. Uh, I'm not sure. Because sometimes we make faith the impossible river. Sometimes we make faith the insurmountable thing. But you need to know that what Joshua was doing in this moment is he was just being obedient to the plow that God had put in front of him and God was going to make him the man that he is. Why? By holding on to the plow that God put in front of him. So, So maybe we just make faith really simple that the best thing you can do is show up and put your hand on the plow that God has put in front of you. Maybe your your step of faith, your your big moment with God is actually I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm reminded of who I am, the family that I've got, and I get up and I go, man, I'm going to go to the job that I hate because God hasn't released me from it yet. And I'm going to put my hand on that plow and I'm going to be a faithful man. I'm going to come home and I'm going to love my babies when I get home. And you're just a faithful man. Why? Because what God has put in your hand is that. God will change the plow when he needs to change the plow. But don't force a change of plow because you want something bigger and grander. Why? Because God is making you the man that you need to be, just like He was with Joshua. Next verse. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go in and stand in. Okay, can you imagine being a priest? You're like, uh, we've been wandering in the desert, swimming isn't high on our list. And uh, you want us to do what? Pick up the most precious thing we have, the very presence of God, and we're going to drag God into what? The river, um, he's a better swimmer than me, pick him. Um, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go in and stand in the river. Next verse. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. So, so now what's interesting is there's different groups in the story and the steps of faith are different for each one. So if you take Joshua, for example, Joshua is the guy that is living as if the unseen has already happened. And here's what I mean, and in this story we'll get to it, but he tells people to go in and take 12 stones for when we've crossed over. He's already crossed the Jordan. He tells them later about victories that are coming. He's already seen those victories. But in the moment, his step of faith is, I need to rally a group of people and I need to live like the unseen has already happened. And so his step of faith is the unseen. It's already done. This isn't a question of if God will or what the we were already across step over to the priest. The priest step of faith is what I'm not a swimmer and you want me to put my foot where in there. Right. Their step of faith is much different. Theirs is very active and in the moment and stepping into it. The Israelites step of faith is different yet again, because what happens to them is they hear something and they have a choice. Will I be willing to obey what God has put in front of me? So even though I might not have all the details, I might not have all of that, but, but will I follow where God leads? And so next verse. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and Jebusites. This is how you will know. wait. The river isn't about the river. This isn't about this. God's taking them through something in faith, but it's, it's not about what they're going through. It's not about the moments of stepping into the river. It, it, he's, going, he's going, hey, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do this. You're going to follow. Why? So that you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out, he will give you future victory. This moment is really about that. This moment of faith, this moment of stepping in is really about what God is doing in the victories that were to come. If this moment doesn't happen, you won't know that I can conquer the walls that are going to be big. You don't know that I can conquer the enemies that have you in fear. You don't, the, God's going, you need this moment of faith. Why? Because I need you to stand and have victory there. What does your word look like today? Because sometimes we get so focused in on this step of faith. And what God's really trying to do is go, hey, this, this step of faith really isn't about this. It's about that. What is he putting inside of you? What, what visions, what dreams, what futures? What steps does he have for you? And today is just a way to get there. And God's going, I need you to know that I am God. And you won't know that unless you, you experience this step of faith and you walk into it. Next verse. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, he says this like a couple of times as if like, we just got to get it right. That that this ark, the presence of God, this is Lord. And he is Lord of all of it, of all the earth set foot in the Jordan. It's water's will. As waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. This word in a heap, I did, I did a word study on it. Like, what does in a heap mean, right? Um, it literally means to take water and stack it on top of each other. Like, just keep stacking, right? He says, I'm going to stack water. When you step in, I'll stack water. Next verse. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, next verse. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Oh, okay, hang on, hang on. We gotta gain a little perspective, okay? Ready, let's go to the the fancy map I drew. Okay. So a little bit of perspective. This line here down the middle, that's, that's the river, the Jordan River. Adam is up here, Gilgal, Jericho, where they came from. Now they're camped, right? Let's go to the next one. They're here, and the priests put their feet at the water's edge. And it says that the water began to pile up at a place called Adam. Okay. Adam is 16 miles, roughly, approximately, because we don't know exactly where it happened, right? 16 miles upstream is the the town of Adam. So so what's happening is this is a 16-mile miracle translation. They are here. They can't see 16 miles. God is already working on their behalf way before they put a foot in the water, God has already began to pile. Can you imagine being an Adam, by the way? You're sitting there with your wife. You got your coffee in the morning. You're looking out over the, the river. And, and all of a sudden you go, hey, baby, something weird is happening with the water. It just begins to pile up and up and up and up and up. There's no dam, but that water's piling. And it piles up 16 miles away. Why? Because it may look like God's not working on your behalf today, but you need to know he's already ahead of you. He's already upstream, church. God is already ahead of you. They, 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 before they got their feet to the water's edge, the water already was piling up in Adam. They're already going, what is happening? Why? Why? Because sometimes we freak out by what we can see. And it's not about what we can see. It's about what we know. And God said he was going to do a miracle. And he said, we're going to cross this impossible river. And the miracle is put your foot in the water. This blows me away, by the way, that 16 miles away this is taking place. Remember how far did they need to be apart? 3,000 feet, right? They couldn't get within 3,000 feet of it, which meant that now you take this distance of 16 miles all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is even further from here to here, add that up, you have plenty of room for 2.5 million people to walk across um, the, the Jordan. Next verse. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on what? Dry ground. Well, all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on what? Dry ground. Okay, I did another word study because I'm like, okay, dry ground, that's weird, right? Because in my brain, the way this story's always been is it dries up the water, but now you got mud. Now you're going to get your shoes dirty. There are two words, two words. Actually, there's more, but two for this morning. One means mud, and one means dry ground. The word that is used here means dry ground, and what that word means, or in in its essence, is that it is like there has been a lack of rain for a really long time. You know what we call that? We call that a drought. The miracle isn't just the water stacking up. The miracle is that when the priests step in, it is dry, cracked ground across the whole thing. They don't get any mud on themselves. They don't get any muck from the river. They walk into the middle and they stand up. Why? Because the dry ground is the miracle that God promised. And no one can explain how you take a riverbed and in the next moment make it completely dry except Almighty God. And God goes walk across, complete the crossing on dry ground. Next verse. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. So another piece of the story all the way along. We've been told about these 12 guys, right? So, so now the priests are in the middle. The 12 come along, and what he says is, take a, take a stone each. They're from the 12 tribes, so the, all of Israel is identified. They go in, they pick up a stone, they put it on their shoulder, and they climb out of the river. And then it says specifically, where you stay tonight, where you stay tonight, begin to stack the rocks, one on top of the other. Now, Finishing the map. Let's go back to the map. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Sorry. I, I don't mean to insult your intelligence. I don't mean this isn't a trick question. We just have to get this. They started here. They moved and camped here. The river is here. And they stacked the rocks in Gilgal. Are they on the same side of the river or different? It's not a trick question. Different, right? They're on a different side of the river. They have crossed the impossible river. And when they get across the impossible river, God tells them something specific. Take rocks out of the impossible river and carry them to the fresh land I have put you on and stack them up. Why? Why? So that when one day when your kid comes up to you and he goes, hey, dad, that's a really weird stack of rocks. Who stacked them? Well, son, let me tell you about a river that was impossible that, that each one of those stones came out of because we stood on dry ground because God showed up. And in the midst of dry ground, we took them to remind us so that every single time we see a wall like Jericho, which is where they're going next, every single time we stand and we go, this is impossible, they go back to what? Back to the stack of rocks where they thought a river was impossible and God goes, I did that. I'll do this. I, it's interesting, like I'm finding my life more and more that I need reminders. I find it in my life more and more that it's easy to have a whole bunch of noise and voices and a whole bunch of, um, especially culture stuff that pulls at us, or, or false voices that tell us identities that we're not, or, or things that we carry that, that aren't true. And and I find that one of the things we need is a stack of rocks. And, And what I mean by that is like, if we just take a couple of basic ones, right? If we just take the cross itself, that Jesus spread out his arms, that every single time we look at the cross, what we should see is that you are loved by heaven, that God loved you so much that he would stretch out his arms. Like, like that's, that's what the cross should scream to us. So in the times when I'm over here and I'm like, God, this all falling apart, do you love me? He goes, why don't you look back at the cross, which is a stone in your life, look back at it. And when you see it, be reminded for all of eternity, you are loved. Man, let's take, let's take a tomb that is empty. The, 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 you're, you're in life and you're going, man, I just don't know if I can make it. The empty tomb is designed, why? So that when you look at it, it's like a stone in your life. When you see the empty tomb, you are reminded that God, through Jesus, conquered death once and for all. And if death was the ultimate that we could not conquer, he's done it. That means there's nothing in your life that cannot be conquered through the power of the empty tomb. Which means, which means also that when Jesus was resurrected from that empty tomb, he was given a resurrected body, which guarantees that in the future we get a what? Resurrected body. That when I'm here and I'm doubting is heaven real or whatever noise is coming on, I look back at an empty tomb and I see Jesus standing there in his glorified, resurrected body. And guess what? I am convinced and I am guaranteed in that moment that heaven is real. Because he ascended there. And two, I am getting a glorified body. We need reminders. That's why baptism is such a big deal. That when you go under the water, it's like placing a stone down. When I said, I believe in this Jesus, I believe what he's done for all of eternity. Do you know that on a day, your worst day, when you're going, I don't know if this thing is real. If you've been baptized, you look back and you can remember going under the water and saying, it's true. It's a stone we look back on. We need reminders. And so this morning, I want to hopefully hand us one more right before we're done. I want to look at this story through fresh eyes. Just just a slight twist. Because this story was all about a group of people going from here, crossing impossible river, and getting to the land that was promised. But you see, this story is our story. Because we all came and camped on this side. Humanity is camped here. And down the middle is this river called sin and brokenness and destruction that we all live with. This, this sin has caused this separation just like the river between us and who we are and who we are intended to be in a promised land with God. And so God is on one side, we are on the other. And in the middle right here, there is this, there is this river, this impossible thing we cannot, we cannot cross by ourselves. And what you need to know this morning is that inside of this story, in this impossible river, Jesus himself is the high priest who put his, water, his foot into the water of your sin. And that sin, when he stepped in, that sin disappeared. And when the sin disappeared, why? Because later in scripture it says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. AKA, what all that means is this, that he took your sin on him and he gave you his good. He gave you his right standing. He gave you his relationship with God. So in this moment with the river of sin, when he steps in, it has to dry up. Now you gotta see something because we all do this, right? Maybe I'm the only one. We'll see. Yeah, but John, you you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my failures. You don't know what I carry. You don't know the lies that I believe. You don't know deep inside who I am. I don't. You're right. But God does. And he still stepped in the river for you. And see what the enemy wants to do is tell you that when you walk through the river, when you cross from who you were to who you are, when you cross from no relationship with God to relationship with God, what the enemy wants to tell you is that when you walked into that, it was muddy and you collected mud on you because that's who you were. And so you walk through and you think you got all this mud on you. But what you need to know this morning is that when you walk through, you walked on dry ground. There's nothing that is stuck to you. There's nothing, none of who you were, none of the old sin. It's gone. Why? Because it's dry ground. Why? Because Jesus stepped in the river for us. My hope and my prayer this morning is this. I don't know what you face. I don't know what battles of faith. I don't know what rivers you got to cross. But I know this. That Almighty God is already in it before you got there. And I know that today is a stone that you set down. And you go, God, through Jesus, I'm already on the other side. And so today, we're going to end with singing. And the singing is intentional because I believe, with everything I got, when you begin to sing something, when you speak the words, your soul begins to believe them. It's one thing for me to sing or Jala, which by the way, by the way. Who knew he could sing? I love you, buddy. But it's one thing for Jala, who is very gifted at singing, to sing. But it's an entirely another thing when you begin to read and sing what God has done for you. And when you begin to remind your soul of this is who I am. Here, here's my prayer and my hope for you is that Monday morning or maybe it's Sunday afternoon or wherever you step into that river, you have a place to look back on and go, if Jesus did that for me, I can conquer this. And so God, we come before you this morning. God, we are so grateful that you meet us in the midst of the impossible river. We're so grateful, God, that you show up. And God, whenever you show up, you show off. We're so thankful for that. God, we're grateful that we we have such a heritage that talks about the truth of this Jesus who steps into the river of sin that we might be free today. God, would you stir in our souls and as we begin to to sing these songs, would you begin to take those words and just etch them into our souls? God, that on the days when we begin to take, take steps towards the impossible river, what we would be reminded of is who we are and who you are and what you have done and that means we can do impossible things. God, would you encourage us from the inside out this morning? God, for those in the room that that they're facing the impossible river today, that they don't know how they climb the mountain. Would you show them that you're a step ahead? You're already in the river, God. You're already climbing the mountain. Would you encourage their souls today? And God, would you remind us of the beauty we have because we're yours? Thank you for a cross that bleeds love for us. Thank you for a tomb that is empty. Thank you for a guarantee of a future with you. We love you. And everybody said...